Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. Today we're going to be talking about pride and ownership, maybe the pride of ownership. I remember when uh, Mark and I got married the day of, and we had that old-fashioned thing called a reception line where everybody came through the line and congratulated everybody in the wedding party as well as the bride and groom who were the main event before they got to the food. And uh, I, we got married in a town where I was from. Mark was from Iowa, and we got married in California. And I remember everybody was uh, congratulating Mark on what a great find he had found in me because they knew and loved me. That's why they were there celebrating me. It had been a long time coming. I was 35. Mark was 33 and established and smart and a doctor. And it took me a while to figure out that he was the one, like three years. But I do recall one young woman who had been at his church and uh, came up to me and said, what a find I had found and how great it was that I got Mark. And I thought, wow, that is so good to hear that. Um, Poor Mark was probably sick and tired of hearing how great he had it. (laughs) And it's not like we own each other, but there was a pride of ownership. I am... Uh, I was just thinking this morning while I was folding Mark's underwear that I thought, I'm I'm kind of amazed that Mark chose me. I mean, I can be very full of myself and proudful and uh, believe the press, so to speak. And yet, you know, Mark is so stable, the man in plaid, and he will do anything for you. Uh, just about. It's his love language is service. And he's really smart. And it's been kind of fun having him home one day a week during the sheltering at home doing his work. And I, I hear him uh, call his patients and, and they're so glad to hear from their doctor. And he's so personable, personable with them. And um, he, he speaks quite loudly because his, his uh, patient clientele is on the older end of the spectrum being an internist. And he always says, well, is there anything else that you need from me? I thought, what a beautiful line of humility and service. And that's who my Mark is. And I'm proud. uh, I guess I can be proud in him. Uh, I can boast that God finally answered this uh, woman's prayer. I thought I would never get married. Americans take great pride in ownership. I remember my father, (laughs) my parents decided to... um, dig out their old rose garden and artichoke patch that we'd grown up with and put in artificial grass. They didn't find out till later that it was illegal in Palos Verdes Estates to have artificial grass. Maybe the city fathers never found out or felt sorry for them because they were in their late 80s when they put it in. And it was $10,000 we found out. It was a big patch of artificial grass. And dad would always say, did you see my grass? He was proud of owning that. It was, it was pretty funny. Um, We can be proud of our cars or our dogs or our children even. I found that to be a great stumbling block once I had these beautiful children because they are beautiful and and they're smart and they're, um, you know, most most of them have graduate degrees and they're kind. They're not just beautiful, they're kind young women. Maybe not always to each other, but to other people. And I'm 
I can find uh, my identity in that. And so when they fail, because we all fail, then my I'm, I'm shook up with my um, false identity because it is a false identity to have your identity in anything other than Jesus Christ. And, um, and yet as, as human beings, our default can, can be to be proud in and to find our identity in, maybe it's one and the same, in something that's not Jesus. Uh, our own talents, our ownership of possessions, our people around us. It doesn't mean I'm not proud of my girls. I am. But my identity cannot be in them. Or um, I wouldn't have a very good identity sometime. It would be a false identity. And I think we all have problems with that. I can say um, that we can say we take great pride in something. But when we say that, it really is the antithesis um, or the opposite to a holy mindset. I could say, I pride myself in being a multitasker. But you have to be aware, we have to be aware of anything that starts with that sentence, I pride myself in. Because as you know, pride goes before a fall, and that really can happen. I mean, we could just fall down physically or fall down emotionally, and God will show me that, oops, I'm really not that great at multitasking because when I put too many tasks on my plate, things begin falling off the plate. And I might even have a platter and those things start falling off. Important things start falling off. So I should never say I pride myself in anything. Have you said that lately? I pride myself in being able to handle this sheltering at home because I'm, I'm an introvert anyway. And so it's, it's really right up my alley. Or I pride myself in praying for people secretly they don't even know I'm praying for them but the funny thing about pride is that we can it's something that we can think we're getting away with because we're doing it secretly we can rejoice in things I rejoice in my children and in my husband we can have glad hearts the whole psalms are full of that we can be grateful and we can have celebrations uh, my brother Hyatt <laughs> And I remember we were kind of a shock to Mark when we first got married because Mark's family is very quiet about celebrating. Um, but we're very loud about celebrating and we'll revel in each other. In fact, my sister Lori will say, revel, 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 because we take uh, great joy in each other. And I think God can take great joy in us. And, uh, and we can revel in one another when we realize that everything good comes from God. That's the key. Um, there can be a balance between pride and rejoicing. I think uh, a believer can stand out in really rejoicing in God. And that's so different from the world's identity in doing something so great on their own. There's a twofoldness about it, maybe a thirdfoldness. We need to know deep down where the success came from. And I remember my folks saying so much in their older age, it's all God's grace that our kids turned out. It's all God's grace. I thought, well, that is turning the glory and the gladness and the rejoicing back where it needs to be. The source, which is God himself. And secondly, we need to acknowledge it to God. So acknowledge it to yourself. Wow, this is all God's grace. And then and then tell God thank you. Like I was telling God thank you this morning while I was folding Mark's underwear that was acknowledging it out loud to God. And the third fold is that we acknowledge it out loud to others. 
Uh, Mark built our house. Really, he built uh, 1,300 extra square feet. He built an extra garage that I didn't know we needed. We still don't put cars in a four-car garage. But I'm so glad that God made him a visionary of sorts and made uh, made Mark creative and hardworking and uh, independent like the Iowa soil that he's from, where he wanted to do it himself. It gets annoying sometimes that he wants to do everything himself, and maybe that's a pride issue for him. But guess what? I'm not in charge of him. I'm in charge of my own pride. And I'm grateful and I glory in Mark's uh, characteristics that built this uh, house addition uh, so that I can shelter at home in this home. And I thank the Lord and I, th- and I thank Mark on a regular basis. Um, I read this morning a great selection from an older devotional. The devotional I recommend all the time is called Daily with the King. By Glenn Evans. He spells his name with a G-L-Y-N, and I always thought he was a woman until I looked him up on Google. But I read um, from the May 18th, even though today is April 21st, uh, there was a marker in here, and sometimes I like to go back and say, I wonder why I marked this, and then I read it again. And this is what I read from him, uh, from him today. With any talent God gives me, it does not belong to me, but to the people for whom God intended it. So if you are uh, a quiet person or a person who's thinking, wow, I'm really good at this, uh, but does God really want to use it? Yes, he does. He gave us our talents to serve others. To go on to what, uh, to what he wrote, worldly people tend to be deceived about that. If God blesses their businesses, they take the credit. If God gives them good health, they attribute it to taking good care of themselves. It reminds me of the governor of New York who exclaimed for all the world to say, to hear the other day that it wasn't God or the government that helped them keep safe. It was their themselves. So he was taking the credit. And uh, that's very dangerous uh, to go on what Evan says. If God gives them obedient, responsive children, it is because they as parents set a good example. Thus, even their goodness is corrupted by self-deceit. Paul has a word here. Who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive from God? 1 Corinthians 4, 7 in the NIV. These are pertinent questions that I am obligated to answer, Evans writes. If God has bestowed anything special upon me, I must first acknowledge that it came from him. So I think there's an order in this. I think there's an order that we first acknowledge that any success, talent, strength came from God. I think that I think that protects us from a very dangerous slipping downslide into pride. I must first acknowledge that it came from him and then use it as it was intended to bless and lift up others. The only asset I have is the obligation of God, his promise to save me for his eternal glory. So he's obligated to save me because he's promised he would. Any natural gifts or endowments I may have are my obligation under God to others. Isn't that a great reminder? C.S. Lewis wrote that our biggest sin is pride because it's self-reliance versus God-reliance. Perhaps 
it's the easiest sin to hide from others. We can't really hide murdering from uh, or robbing banks if we get caught from others. But we can hide sin, uh, the sin of pride. We can act humble and be proud of the fact that we are very humble. We can take a secret pleasure in our talents and forget that it's God who gave us those talents. I can be so deluded that, as I said before, I believe my own press. Why does all this matter? I think it matters on a couple fronts. Pride is a, th- a thief and no one likes to be robbed. First, pride robs me of joy because it's only when I'm at my wits end and I realize I need God desperately that I have true joy. So when I'm relying on myself, I don't, I'm being robbed. I'm robbing myself of true joy. Secondly, pride robs God of glory. So how can we boast our glory appropriately? Paul boasted. He even used that word several times. He said, for you are our glory and our joy. He was talking about other people that he'd poured into. He was so proud of the way they were growing up in Christ. That's one way. I'm so proud of you for what you're doing by dedicating your life to God and being serious about your relationship with God. He also said, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of Christ. Jesus said that when we build on a rock, we're wise, but we're very foolish when we build on sand. Where I'm from, Palos Verdes Estates, it's just a beautiful peninsula out in the Pacific Ocean in Southern California. But there was a scary part of Palos Verdes. It was those huge houses that people built on the cliffs. And the water, the ocean, had over the years eroded the cliffs so that these people had to move out for their own safety. That these houses, piece by piece, were disintegrating down into the ocean and they were ruined because they were not built on solid foundation. I think these wealthy people learned their lessons to rebuild further back from the ocean. And when I build my life, my pride, my self-esteem on sand, it disintegrates into the ocean and I'm in danger zone. Not that God will let me go altogether, but he reminds me, uh, and it's a great Uh, It's a great mercy when he reminds me that I'm living for myself and by myself and through my, my own power. That's a great mercy when he reminds me of that because it keeps me from falling. Anything we do apart from God or for ourselves is shifting sand if we could just remember that every day. All things not eternal have the potential of being lost or destroyed seconds from now. Even by the time you finish listening to this podcast, uh, you could lose your health or there could be a tornado if you live in tornado land, uh, like the South or in the Midwest or here in the West. I remember when a big earthquake uh, happened up in San Francisco and we felt it mightily uh, four hours south. The, the, chandeliers were shaking and um, I wanted to get the little kids under our table and Crystal fell out of the secretary and broke. Uh, these things can happen at a moment's notice. Now this is not to scare us or, or to live in fear, 
But it's to remind us that nothing, nothing is eternal except what God says is eternal. So why waste ourselves, our lives, uh, placing the foundation on shifting sand? Pain and death are around us all the time right now because of the coronavirus. And not to be a Debbie Downer, it's just a fact. Rain falls on the just and the unjust. Christians will die of this virus and have died of this virus. And it's okay to grieve when it just rains too much and it rains too hard and for too long. But as God's own, we don't need to make mud out of that rain in our lives because we're only passing through. We might need rain boots all the way up to our chins to go through some terrible storms. But this life is just a small piece of what is to come. So that's why we set our minds on things above. That's how we take this next step. When things are hard, I talked to some people this week, things are very hard for them right now. But we keep stepping forward in God's boots because this world is not all there is. That's why we don't labor or we don't need to labor under the yoke of pride. Pride is such a heavy yoke. Humility is freedom. Freedom to know the truth. Freedom to live in joy and delight that that we might be sorrowful for a moment. Let's say one of your children is not doing well or not speaking to you. But that will not be forever. Anticipating a life without tears or pain when we are finally with Jesus face to face. Living out our God-ordained life where to know Christ, yes, and the power of his resurrection. I love that scripture in the, I think it's the new, um, not the New American Standard, the NIV. I was memorizing Philippians 3 earlier this year. And I decided to do it in that version because Philippians 4.10, I believe it says, I want to know Christ. Yes, with an exclamation point. And that's the way we can live. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Now, I'm not sure what all that means, but I know that at least it means humility. He is the son of God and he bent his will to his father all for love. Can't I do the same? To live a life of freedom and love is to live a moment by moment, dying to self, which makes room for real living, one for the other. I love that about God. When he tells us not to worry, he doesn't just tell it to us to not to worry like he leaves us in a vacuum. He says, don't worry, but pray. So we can fill up that vacuum where we're no longer worrying with prayer. The wheat won't grow without the seed dying first. And don't we love that bread that comes from wheat? I'm going to leave you with one of my favorite recipes for French bread. So how do we keep from pride? Here are three things I can leave you with. First, ask God to let you know when you're being proud every single time. It might be a very big day for you in prayer because if you're serious about asking him that, he will remind you and say, Lord, I want to know every time I'm being proud and you might be surprised at the things you're being proud about. Secondly, set your mind on things above. The only way I can do that is memorizing that and that's Colossians 3. Here's a good way to memorize scripture. I know a lot of people are just say, I can't memorize. 
uh, especially if they're over 45. They think, oh, I can't do that. I used to do that in school. I can't. I used to memorize the 52 prepositions. I can't do that anymore. Well, here's a surefire way that you can do it. Take one Bible verse, and if there's 16 words in it, say it over 16 times. And each time you say it, emphasize the next word. So if you say, set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So you start with set your mind on things above, set your mind on things above, set your mind on things above, set your mind on things above. Don't forget those connecting words. And by the time you get through repeating it, let's say 12 or 16 times, you will have memorized it. Of course, I still have to review it because now I can't remember all 17 verses in Colossians 3, 1 through 17. And number three, ask God to run your day. Dear Jesus, how do I do today? I'll leave you with that image. Ask him to run your day and then see what happens. And when your to-do list is interrupted, remember that you prayed that. When you surrender, when you glory in God, it's the opposite of pride. Have a wonderful day. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.